domestic violence. It's something I've talked about time and time again. How a simple argument can turn sour faster than a pat of butter melts on a hot biscuit. Luckily, most of the time it gets worked out. The argument just fizzles. Everyone just goes to bed, sleeps it off, and hopefully the next day can calmly talk about it and get whatever issue resolved. Some of the time, though, it just doesn't happen like that. Things go way too far. The argument turns physical. One partner hits the other or both. On the rare occasion, when you add in drugs or alcohol, they can turn deadly. And in the ultra rare instance where there may be an added factor of mental illness, well, that can just be the worst of all. And that's exactly what I'll be talking about in this episode. Truly some of the worst of the worst instances of domestic violence. I know I put a disclaimer on every episode in the show notes, and it should also be implied that every single episode is going to have something that's just extremely rough and graphic to listen to, but this is going to have some stuff that even I hate hearing about. This episode today will involve kids. So for those of you that don't like listening to those types of things, I hope you can tune in next week. For the rest of you, welcome back to Music City 911. Nine one one. Where's your emergency? <laughs> um, I am. I'm. Uh, there's a girl uh, running down the street. Female, her stepfather is killing everyone in her family. Um, it's on the corner of uh, where there's a body shop and the fire department. Do you know what road this is? Okay. What's your name? Give me into the fire department. What's your name? My. Do you know what road this is? Laura Lindell Road. What? It's Laura Lindell Road. Okay, and what did the female say to you? And she says that her stepfather is killing everybody in her house. I did. I'm call- I'm on the phone with them right now. She say how or what was happening? I asked. Her, I asked her to get in the car with me, and she said she couldn't leave her family. But she, I think she ran to the fire department. So she went to the fire station. What did she look like? She's a, a she, she's probably a young teenager, probably like 15, uh, six, 16, maybe, with long blonde hair. Um, and she, she has a black baby? dog. Did she say anything about a baby? I, I don't know about no baby. She said she just couldn't leave her family. But I see a car running around. I'm sorry? Do you see anything from the house? All I, I, well, so I drove down the road a little bit, so I was afraid that I was going to get shot myself since I interacted with her face-to-face. Um, so I, I'm just about, like, uh, maybe three houses down. Um, but she's, like, waiting at the corner. I don't know what she's doing, but I kind of still see her in the corner. But I saw a car kind of came around and whipped around, so I'm not exactly sure if that's him or, or, or if he's chasing her or not. I'm sorry? kind of vehicle was it um i i saw it it was like a gray did you see that car whip around it's one of the fire department guys i i i okay i think maybe a fire department guy it was a regular kind of focused looking gray car okay 
Okay, we have help on the way. Thank you. Dark so gray. Okay, all right. Else, call us back, okay, and steer clear of the area at this time. Okay. A woman driving down the street in Claremont County, Ohio, finds a teenage girl that says her stepdad is killing her family. There wasn't a lot of further info on that call. Dispatch found a rough location of where this was happening and started help. Deputies rushed to the scene where they didn't know exactly where it was happening and weren't sure what they were walking into. Once they got to the rough area, they found the house they were looking for. Where's he at? Here. Here. Get him right here. Right here. You got him on the porch. We've right asked Dr. Lashley, please, we've been told. You show me your hands now! Stand up and Stand walk up and walk towards us! Stand up now! Walk towards us! Stand up with your hands up! We got a visual in the veil. Not showing his hands, not following the command. Stand up now! Not showing hands for following command. His name is Chad Dorman. Chad Dorman. I know, but we gotta go. I know, but we can't. You're going in first stage, and he's not complying. You know, he's a shooter. Shoot him. We gotta find cover first. We ain't no good if we ain't safe or so. Hey, hey, no. We need to come from this side where we can see him. Don't take cover behind her. We see him. We're going to approach from this side. We got cover. Right here. Take cover. We got to go. 29 and 63 attack us. Deputies could see the suspect from the street sitting on the porch of the house with a rifle sitting beside him. The front yard of the house was pretty large, and aside from a couple of trees and a smaller camper trailer, there was no good cover for the deputies to use for their own safety. They decided to push forward and use the camper trailer for cover and approach the suspect, who was eerily calm. After rounding the corner of the trailer, it became clear what had happened. Show us your Show fucking your hands, hands now! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up now! Stand up! Stand the fuck up!
We're right in the front yard. EMS was then given the okay to enter the scene. The suspect was in custody. What deputies found in the front yard was a woman shot in the hand and three boys, all under the age of 10, laying motionless, shot in the head. Further playing the video from the deputies, the mother can be heard in the background. What are you doing, man? Hey, are you copying all this? Cover all over. I ain't gonna hurt you. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna hurt nobody. You got anything on you? No, I ain't got nothing, man. Phone, that's it. I'm mad. I ain't, I ain't nothing. Just make sure that dog don't come out. I don't think he'll bite you. Just don't reach for him and try to grab him and pet him. All right. He won't bite you. What's going on, man? Nothing. Uh, can I stand up? It's kind of uncomfortable. I'm gonna get I ain't you gonna here. Do in a I ain't running away. You can do whatever you want with me. You the only one else inside the house? What? You the only one else inside yeah, the house? Yep, yep. Sit down right uh, here. My my daughter, she ran over to the fire department. Sit down. Uh, it's my stepdaughter. Put him in the cage. The suspect was then picked up from the ground and walked to one of the patrol vehicles to be held while EMS could come to the scene. While on the walk to the car and still calm, the suspect asked the deputy a question. And the deputy's response, well, I can't agree with him more on this. Can you get the wallet out of my back pocket? Shut up, dude. Yeah, the right to main side with the fucking user. 32-year-old Chad Dorman was arrested and charged with 21 counts total, of which were multiple charges of murder, kidnapping, and felonious assault. While in custody and being interviewed by detectives, he gave a full confession. At his initial bond hearing, captured on camera by WKRC in Cincinnati, the suspect can be seen escorted into the courtroom wearing a bulletproof vest and two pairs of handcuffs on his wrist, both shackled to his waist. He was flanked by five sheriff's deputies. A description by one of the county prosecutors to the judge in the bond hearing it's just horrible. Good morning, Judge. Good morning. Judge, um, we've got law enforcement with us here today. Our office has been involved. Uh, lots of people in our office have been involved with law enforcement throughout yesterday uh, afternoon, evening, all the way through this morning. And the facts I have for you at this point are as follows. The trauma that this man has inflicted on his family the community, law enforcement, first responders, and all of the rest of us who have any idea what's going on here is unspeakable. There's been a full admission in this case, Judge. The case is still new. Uh, we're still discovering facts. But the evil horror of what we know is impossible to process. In an act of just incomprehensible cruelty, the father that stands before you lined up his three young boys, and he executed them in his own home with a rifle. They were ages three, four, and seven, Judge. 
in an act of desperation to save her children. The mother, at some point, grabbed the gun the father was wielding to attempt to protect them. We know that one of the boys was able to flee and to a field near the home. And again, we know from his admission, father hunted that boy down, drug him back to the property, and executed him in front of the witnesses. The mother was shot through the hand in her attempt to protect her children. Judge, I asked the court to set in this bond to just begin to imagine their fear. This was the man that every day they woke up looking to for protection, love, guidance in all things. The man they trust more than any other person on earth. The person they rely upon to keep them safe from harm. He was their world, he was their guardian, and he executed them in cold blood. We know that from his admission. By that same admission, Judge, he has committed <clears throat> one of the most monstrous, craven, cowardly acts that will ever be our misfortune to see. To make things even more disturbing, Judge, this was no haphazard act. Again, by his own admission, he planned the events of this day. This did not happen on a whim. He's confessed to what I believe is the worst crime, at least I hope, that I'll see in my lifetime. I hope it's the worst fact pattern that ever comes before this court. Judge, it's important for the court to know and the bond we're going to request today to understand, Kermit County deputies, Monroe Township Fire and EMS, and other first responders bravely respond to the scene where they don't know what's going on. They did not know what they're facing, and they come into a, a scene that no one can ever be prepared for. No law enforcement training, no training of any kind prepares you for this. It's easy to forget that these are men and women with families, children, feelings, emotions. They're not some automaton performing a delegated function for people. They were required to give CPR to gunshot children, three, four, and seven-year-old children. They held these boys in their arms, knowing, knowing there was nothing they could do to save them. How long do those scars last? What day do you wake up from that and you're healed? How do you unsee such an abomination? The bond factors this court needs to consider today are set forth in Criminal Rule 46, nature and circumstance of the crime charged, and specifically whether the defendant used or had access to a weapon, including the seriousness of the offense. It's the most serious offense that we have on the books, Judge. This is, this is it. You can't commit a more serious offense. So the nature of the crime charges the worst crime that can be charged. Did he have access to a weapon? Yes. Obviously he did. 
the weight of the evidence against the defendant at this point, Judge, we stand here with a full admission of the defendant. That also goes to the confirmation of the defendant's identity and witnesses on scene did see at least part of what happened. Next, the court is to consider the likelihood this person would return the court if a bond were issued. Again, this is the most heinous crime with the most severe penalty under the law that we presented to the grand jury. That alone would be a, a major factor in discouraging a person from availing themselves to this court or any other. And the thought to flee and the likelihood of flight is great in the state's opinion. The danger he poses to the community is a factor that this court can consider. And I think with the facts in front of you, Judge, we can't name a person that poses a greater threat to the community. As his prior record goes, Judge, it is fairly minimal. He was charged with domestic violence in 2010. <clears throat> he is not, to my knowledge, on probation committee control. Judge, the facts of this case are hopefully like no other we will ever see. When this case gets indicted in the Court of Common Pleas, I am certain that a no bond hearing will be held, and I would hope that would be granted. But at this point, at this juncture, we're going to ask this court to issue a bond we've never asked for before. I'm going to ask for a bond of $20 million. I hope I never need to request such a bond again. Thank you. Uh, date for preliminary hearing? The date for the preliminary hearing, Judge, is 626. No objection, Your Honor. The preliminary hearing will be set for June 26th at 1 p.m. At this point in time, bond's going to be set in the amount of $20 million cash or surety. Anything else at this time, Mr. Gast? No, Judge. Mr. Gast. The suspect has since pled not guilty, and his next pretrial hearing has been scheduled for July. Prosecutors are seeking the death penalty. This next bit of audio I'm going to play, I'm going to talk a bit about it before I play it. This came from my home state of Tennessee, in Marion County, which is located just to the west of Chattanooga. This is just over an hour's drive from me, just south of where I live. It's a county with a very small population of only 28,000. Just this afternoon, I called their dispatch center to find out a bit about them. I found out that because of the population, the most dispatchers they will have at any time on duty is around five. And most of the time, it's fewer than that. In previous episodes, I've talked about dispatchers who have to do more than one job at a time, and this is one of them. You'll hear one dispatcher in this answering several calls and having to put some of those calls on hold because so many calls are flooding in. She's having to do most of this work by herself. So you might initially think, why is she putting someone calling 911 on hold? Well, if she's the only one answering the phones, that's what you have to do. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Marion, can you dispatch? Hi, this is 1070 with Southeast Park Police Department. I'm at 224 Pine Street. 
I've not opened my door yet, but there's a dude at my door saying that he has been shot. <laughs> and apparently he's still shooting.
Dispatch. Hi, this is Josh Williams. I know y'all are busy. Are they ready for me on 41? I'm in a line of cars here. I'm in the fire department and police. Um, give me, give me like 10 minutes, and I promise I will call them and find out. We have a huge situation over in Sequoia. Yeah, no, I know. I, yeah, I know. I've, I've been listening. I know you're busy. I just didn't know if they were ready for me. Okay. Um. Yeah. Give me. Give me just a minute. As you could hear, it was constant, nonstop calls from both citizens and other agencies during that mad time. First off, I want to say that with what she had to work with, that dispatcher did a great job. It sounded like she was the only one assigned to work in the phones and had to do multiple jobs while people were still calling in. One of them sounded like he was calling about something completely unrelated during that. So as I said, it was a great job done, but was for an absolutely terrible crime. Authorities are still trying to piece all this together. It happened just a few days ago. Just like the last one, this was domestic related, but a bit different in how it all happened and how many victims there were. When deputies arrived at the scene, they found a house on fire. Once the flames were put out, the bodies of three adults and three children were inside. County Sheriff Burnett has relayed that one of the victims, Regina Barnett, had a restraining order against her estranged husband, Gary. It's believed he showed up at the house and began shooting. Then after he was done with that, set the house on fire and then turned the gun on himself. Also inside the house were Brittany Perez and her three children, ages 11, six and two a previous domestic violence case against gary was placed by regina where she says that he threatened to shoot her and her dog she was afraid he would actually shoot her because he would get drunk and he owned over 50 guns the one man who showed up on the doorstep of the initial caller was flown to a nearby hospital his name has not been released the investigation into this will continue but i don't know how much else we'll end up knowing about this. The last call I have, while the outcome isn't nearly as bad as the first two incidents, the call itself might be one of the most difficult calls you'll ever listen to. Extra warning for this one. Now we're going to have a moment to location to the emergency. Okay, stay on, the, stay on the phone. I need to get you through to medical. Don't hang up. Ma'am, who was who shot him? Brevard, we've got a shot uh, gunshot victim, thirty-two forty-three Woodmill. Okay. Hello, ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am. No, no, please. people were shot. She just said the father was and she said several times that he may be dead. 
I'm going to stay on the line. Nobody's talking to me. Is anybody there? Stillwell was having domestic issues with his wife, Mona. She, along with their five-year-old twins, moved into her parents' house. Sometime during all this, Mona started a relationship with William's best friend. William found out about the affair by a sex video recorded on a cell phone. During a backyard gathering at Mona's parents' house, William showed up with a semi-auto pistol and began shooting. He started with Mona's father, then turned the gun towards her mother just before shooting Mona. As you could probably hear on the call, this all happened in front of their five-year-old twins, with them screaming, I don't want anybody to die, and please don't shoot mommy. Police arrived at the scene, and after a brief standoff, William surrendered. Fortunately, all three victims survived. William was charged with three counts of attempted murder and two counts of child abuse. I'm sure this was an incredibly difficult episode to listen to. It was very hard for me to get through too. But this is something that a 911 dispatcher might have to walk into work and deal with someday. You never know.
follow the show on all social media all the usual ones facebook instagram youtube and twitter i have a feeling there'll be some talk about this one over on the discussion group on facebook so if you're not a member over there yet be sure to join so you can be part of that talk if you'd like to help support me in the show you can head over to patreon.com slash music city 911 for ad free and bonus episodes also on the show's website musiccity911.com towards the bottom of the page you can make a one-time donation under the buy me a beer button after an episode like this i might need a couple of those and speaking of episodes like this if you want to hear others that are similar go back in the catalog and search for the word familicide there have been other cases similar to these i've covered before i'd highly recommend going back and listening to one or all those episodes again or for the first time if you're just starting out with a show until next time for music city 911 i'm brandon and y'all have a good one what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co.